Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. Hello and welcome to Book Cheat, the book club podcast where I've read the book so you don't have to. My name is Dave Warnicky, and on each episode of this show we look at one of the classics. And joining me to look at such a classic this week, it's Michelle Brazier and Ben Russell. Hello, I'm Ben Russell and this is Michelle Brazier. <laughs> Hello, I'm Michelle Brazier and this is Ben Russell. Hello, I'm Ben Russell and this is Michelle Brazier. <laughs> Hi, I'm Michelle Brazier and this... Is Ben Russell. And together we're joined by David Warnicky. David Warnicky. Thank you so, so much. My goodness, my guests never introduced me, so appreciate it. Well, entirely irregular. Mm. That's for sure. It's inappropriate. <laughs> We've overstepped, yeah. for sure. We've overstepped We've there, and you let us overstep. So what's going to happen now for the rest hour? We're gonna we're really going to fuck with you now, Dave, because yeah. you haven't established a boundary. We'll tell you what the book is about. Yeah. Okay, that'd be good, because I'm confused. Okay. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I've got some questions on themes. Okay. Okay. But we'll get to the book first of all. How are you both? Are you both Oh, I thought you were gonna ask some questions just yes. so you just teased questions and then and oh. then you just slipped them back under your rug. Said no no no. <laughs> That's right. No questions for, for you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> you shook your little your slender finger. <laughs> <laughs> So it's a book. It's a book club essentially, but really, I've the one that's been doing the reading. So I usually ask the guests if they've been doing any reading sure. of late. I've been reading a book called Humankind: A Hopeful History. It is not a novel, but it is a beautiful book, and I really, really like it. It's by a man called uh, Rutger Bregman, I think is how he, what his name is, and it's very, very oh. good. I really love it. I, I finished it and I hugged it because I like it so much. Mm. Wow, like he hugged it at the end to say, like, thank you. Yeah, I gave it a big hug, and I was sad that it was finished. It made me cry several times. Oh, wow. Yeah, I really liked the book. It was really nice. That's quite the recommendation there. Yeah, I would get onto it. It's really, really, really good. It's just about, like, uh, common misconceptions about people and, and things about history that you might not have known. It's really it's really nice. It's a really good book. Did it make you more hopeful about the human humankind? Is that the idea? It did. Yeah, it made me much more hopeful. It made me feel really good. Oh, great to hear it. Yeah. How about you, Ben? Have you been doing any uplifting reading or possibly no. downlifting a reading? Bit of downlifting. I read the okay. autobiography of Daryl Hammond. God, if you're not up there, then I'm fucked. Uh, <laughs> Daryl Hammond is the longest-running SNL cast member. Um, I think he still does the voiceover, like the intro and things like that. Um, he's sort of the, an impressionist. That's not why I was reading it, uh, but it's a very good. Um, it's a very surprisingly well written book, considering that the man that wrote it is just incredibly damaged, 
and and it's broken. Um, (laughs) So it's very good, though. It's really well written and terrifying and harrowing. He's he's got some good enough to hug at the end. There's no real. Well, well, I guess there is a hug. It's his acceptance of um that of all his faults, I guess, and then he's able to sort of move through and work through them. So I guess so. It's an ongoing. There's not it's not really an end. It's more of a and then. Oh. We know what's what's next, the future. And maybe the future isn't so dark for this uh this haunted haunted moon. Well, that's nice. It's also a Netflix documentary, I believe. I haven't watched it, but um oh, if you don't easier. want to read the book, um which this podcast is marketed or yeah, just right. for so people that don't want to read the book, you can watch watch it on the Netflix, I believe. Yeah. I believe it's My Netflix. listeners my listeners do not read. That's yeah. the whole point of this. <laughs> <laughs> they can't. They just can't. They refuse to. Yeah. But fortunately, I can because I have to tell them about a book and I'm going to tell you about that. In fact, it's not a book at all. This week, we are talking about a play. And that uh, is... <gasps> I know. Tennessee Williams, A Streetcar Named Desire. Wow. Amazing. I've done a play. Wow. What play? Um, I've done several plays. I've done the play Rent. Um, I've mm. done the play. Um, uh, I did a play at the start of the year called Feather in the Web. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've done a play. I've you name it. I've done the play probably. I've, you know, do I've plays. done actually. I've done lots of plays as well, Michelle. Okay. Which plays have you done? I've done Twelfth Night. I've done a Christmas Carol. That was a real fun one. I've done um, a bunch of sort of original like. Local creators and artists that have written that I've done um, Motortown, which was a wild, a wild play. Um, the Arrival that was always a fun one. That was one of my first. I've done heaps. You've done, done many, heaps. many a place. I've done the importance of being earnest. Beautiful. So you're talking to connoisseurs. Yeah. Dave. Honestly, that is why I thought that I'd get you guys on. That you are you are actors. You are dramery types, and I thought. Who better to get on than to talk about this play? Get two drama queens on and have a little mm. chat. Have a little chit chat. Do you either of you know much about a streetcar named Desire specifically? I studied yes. it in year twelve, um, but I, I I do need a bit of a refresher, so I'm glad to be here. Oh, fantastic! I yeah, I was really I loved it as a theatre nerd, and I really wanted to be. I ne- I've never been in this one, but um, I'm not. You know. I'm not kind of a a leading man, which is hey, sad. Hey, come it. on, that's not true. No, oh. no, I'm more of a kooky best friend in a rom com. Okay, yeah. I'm a kooky best friend too. You've got yeah. a couple of kooky best friends right here. That's you got right. a couple of that gal from and that guy from. You got a couple of them in the yeah. room. <laughs> Character. How about well, this one? I've actually got a uh, I've got a best friend in this play, and I also have a sister. Is that? Yeah, yeah. Ben could Either be the those. sister. Yeah, I can play. I'm very versatile. Okay. And versatile. then Michelle, you happy to be the best friend? Yeah. 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 Well, that's Mitch. We'll get to Mitch. Mm-hmm. We'll get to the play in just a minute, but I've got to say uh people suggest that I do these specific books or plays and uh I've got to say thank you to Finton Vaughan from Dundalk in Ireland who basically I put a form out there and said suggest a, a book or play you want me to do and this was I just went through it just before. This is the first ever suggestion. I ever got was from Finton Vaughan two years ago to do a streetcar named Desire. So it's taken you two years to do you, this. <laughs> Finton Vaughan has years. been waiting. <laughs> well, there's over two thousand suggestions in there. Okay, someone's realize. got tickets. Unbelievable! 
unbelievable. I mean, Finn Devon, very uh, Irish name, by the way. Most, the of, Czech most of the 2000, uh, 1984. So you can stop suggesting that one, guys. I'll get to it eventually. Oh, don't I've read that one. I've seen the movie, the classic movie with Marlon Brando. Obviously, this kind of, I guess, it will be a, one of his most famous early works as an actor. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and I've also watched Blue Jasmine, which is is based off a streetcar named Desire. I love Blue Jasmine. Mm. I love a modernization of a story. Mm. I love Clueless. I love Clueless. I love Ten Things I Hate About You. All uh, both Shakespeare modernizations. If you didn't know, I'm sorry if I'm mansplaining to the audience. <laughs> the Lion King. Hey, those two on the same page. Lion those King. two movies come up on this podcast all the time. <laughs> Which ones? <laughs> um, ten things I had about you and Clueless. Do they really? Or are you being yeah, funny? People... You being a funny boy? I am not being funny. They just somehow they come up a lot. Well, I would like to apologise for re-explaining it to people based on classic texts. I would like That's to right. apologise to you, the listener. For telling you something that you already know. Well, I'd like to apologise for my ignorance of not knowing that Blue Jasmine had anything to do with a streetcar named Desire. So yes, there you go. Yes. You've educated me. So thank there you. you. Can you see that now? Have you seen Blue Jasmine, Dave? I haven't seen it, no. Oh, okay. Well, when you see it, you'll be like, ah, yeah. Ah, mm. oh, now I know where this is going. Kate Blanchett plays Blanche Dubois. Well, that's not her oh, name in, the, in Blue Jasmine. No, but she, oh, that's okay. the role that she plays, I guess. Yes. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing it now. I really am. It's good. Yeah. Uh, so a bit of background for those that don't know about this play. Streetcar Named Desire is a play written by American playwright Tennessee Williams that first performed on Broadway on December 3rd, 1947. And since that time, it's become one of the most acclaimed plays of the 20th century and is Williams' best-known work. Frequently listed as one of the uh, three most influential American plays of the last century, alongside Eugene O'Neill's Long Day's Journey into Night and Arthur Miller's Death of a Salesman. The former of which I've covered on this show and I promise to one day get to Death of a Salesman. Uh, but the debut performance that I mentioned on Broadway, it shocked audiences and featured a then-unknown Marlon Brando, as well as Jessica Tandy, Carl Malden and Kim Hunter, all four of whom would go on to win Academy Awards. So what a night that would have been in the crowd for. Mm. What, a, what a wild show to have seen. Yeah, that would have been amazing. Uh, Now, Michelle, help me because it's been a while since I've talked about theatre. But this Tennessee Williams style is that—is that realism? Would you say is he sort of a realist? It's been too long. Yeah, I think it's very natural. I always get confused between naturalism and realism. Naturalism, I think, is correct. I think mm. realism is like more um, like very modernist plays that are like hyper realism, and then naturalism yeah, right. is like plays that were you know after after classical texts that use this is using a bit more normal language of the day, so it's a naturalism. Wonderful! How good is it talking about theatre? It's been so long. Sorry, I know I love it. I miss the theatre. It's been really. It's been a long time since I've chatted about theatre. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to this, David. I think people <laughs> refer to them as uh, as memory plays, if that means anything to you. Nothing. I've never well, heard of that term. Would you ever. say that the, sort of the the Australian equivalent to kind of a Tennessee Williams is um, the dude that wrote Summer of Summer of a Seventeenth Doll, Summer of the Seventeenth Doll, Ray Lawler. Ray I Lawler. Mean, is that is that? Re- I'm I'm actually curious to know. I'm just throwing shit out. 
I think it, I mean, uh, it's very different, but I guess, oh, I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. In a lot of ways. Mm. Yeah. In a lot of ways. Yes. That's like sort of blokey blokes and, uh, you know. um, The depiction of a sort of a working class and things like a narrowed sort of everyday life and the drama that unfolds Mm. around them. And men not treating women very well. Yes. Mm. Men being bad is a theme of that. Yeah, exactly. yes. Of life also uh, <laughs> yeah. it, it comes up It comes up all the time Is that why it's realism? Is that right? <laughs> yeah Any play it's where naturalism. the men are bad characters <laughs> yeah. It's, it's hyper realism That's real stuff Ah <laughs> <laughs> oh, well we all have a go don't we? No yeah. <laughs> We're bad and we should feel bad <laughs> Yeah Sorry no offence None taken <laughs> Well, uh, let's all have a crack here. Our play takes place in the bottom downstairs flat of a two-story building called Elysian Fields, the French Quarter of New Orleans. The upstairs neighbour stands... Well, I've already (laughs) found a typo in my own writing here. The upstairs neighbour, Eunice, (laughs) stands on the street and two men around 30 years old come around the corner wearing denim workers' clothes and they are Stanley and Mitch. Mitch, of course, played by Michelle in our adaptation. Yes. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, Stanley comes in and delivers our opening line, which is, Hey there, Stella baby. Hey there, Stella baby. Like <laughs> oh, that. I love it. That made me. Just some acting. life. Thank you. Yeah, that's some acting. That was for free. Mm. His, wife, his wife comes out to the street, Stella, and, and he says, catch. And she says, what? And he says, meat. And then he throws her some meat from the butcher. Mm. <laughs> it's a great opening scene. <laughs> meat. <laughs> and, then he, and then he goes bowling, so... He's off. Yeah. That's a lot. And I remember in the essay I had to write in year 12, writing about that, writing about the whole sexual thing. Just the, just the fact that this opens with a man being like, catch this meat. And the woman would be like, hey. <laughs> like, all right, okay, that sets the tone. That's nice. I like the space in at the start of this, for this intro, was like the space of this play, giving it all sort of space to sit. And enjoy the atmosphere. Yeah, it's very atmospheric. Well, mm. like, I mean, it depends on the director, doesn't it? And that's the beauty of, of theatre. But if but you, you can look at feel, the film... I feel like you can feel that in the text. Yeah, I feel like... To, to sound like a theatre. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's, uh, Tennessee Williams in this is very specific with like in terms of lighting, direction, and also like there's music cues throughout the entire play in terms of what style of music is playing. <laughs> Almost like he's telling the director, don't fuck this up and go crazy. Do, just do what I want you to do. Yeah, which is mm. fair enough. I don't like it how people all the time, they're like, oh, you're writing direction into this script. I'm like, yeah, because I don't want them to fuck it up. <laughs> Yeah, that's Fuck right. off. Because if you, if you give them too much rope, my God. God, yeah. have you seen what they'll do? They bloody, oh, all kinds. All kinds. They put on light up floors. Fucking chill out. Yeah, yeah. Light up floors. And if you want to write, and I think at this time people were, uh, I think Tennessee Williams was, if I remember correctly, was sort of people were shocked by him because before that it was, the theatre kind of felt different. Like he was one of the first to really root it into that sort of naturalistic working class thing before that i think you know farces and all that bullshit were yeah it opened it up to it it opened uh criticism up to the working class Mm. on stage which is interesting yeah so i think in in, from his point of view he's like don't turn this into a fucking 
crazy farce. Just do exactly what the fuck I'm telling you to yeah, do. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> please. But yeah, please. No dancing girls, no nothing. You know, that sort of stuff. <laughs> no clicks. Uh, so Stella goes to watch the bowling. So the house is empty. And that's when Blanche Dubois arrives on the scene. This southern belle is dressed completely in white. It is Stella's sister. She's about 30 years old, which makes her about five years older than Stella. This is Ben. Oh, no, yes, that's a is... cousin. Oh, no. Yeah, no, yes. No, Who that's am I? You. I think you're the sister. Stella's okay. sister. Well, you're one of, which would you like to, would you like to be Stella or Blanche? I don't mind. Arrived? I'm a versatile actor. I think you'd be a great Blanche. You'd be an incredible Blanche. Has there been a drag Blanche? I mean, all drag queens are Blanche. True. <laughs> they are. They're all Blanche. <laughs> They're rooted Walking in Blanche. around. Blanche, Blanche, Blanche. That's them. Well, <laughs> Blanche slash Ben gets to the house with a piece of paper with the the address on with an address on it, and she can't believe this is where her sister is living. She's not impressed by the house, but the neighbor Eunice confirms, "Yep, Stella lives here," and even lets in Blanche to the house. Is this the right place? Am I just improving this for these lines? Is this the right place? I'm Blanche. Oh heavens, this ain't what I've been thinking about in my mind's eye. Come on in, Missy. This is it. This is what oh. we got for you. Sorry, I we're doing you... the play. Sorry, Dave. Yeah. Is that okay? Oh, that's great. Can we just do the play. No, I'd love do that. the play. I'd love that. Okay. Mm. I'll just do the incredibly specific stage direction. <laughs> <laughs> Please Keep continue, Dave. <laughs> so Blanche is actually a bit rude to Eunice because mm. she doesn't really want to talk to her. It's a bit of a half convo, sort of a, a lot of yeses and no, no, no other answers. But mm-hmm. we've discovered from the conversation that Blanche is a school teacher from Mississippi and lives on a large plantation with big white columns. Yeah. She's very Moira Rose. She's the Moira Rose of her time. Who's that? From Schitt's Creek. Oh. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, no, I'm with you. No. <laughs> uh, she actually eventually has enough of Eunice and says, I'd like to be alone and very rudely kicks her out. And then uh, she helps herself to a whiskey, but hides the evidence by washing out the glass. And then says or to herself... is very polite. Yeah. <laughs> and just washes up after herself. <laughs> Actually, you're right. I took that as hiding the evidence. But... <laughs> is, have you, you ever washed it. your dishes, Dave? Yeah. Do you know? <laughs> if people start washing up, I'm like, it was a crime committed in here? What's happening? <laughs> Don't wash my whiskey glass. <laughs> I never wash my whiskey glass. It's my lucky whiskey. It's Dave's lucky whiskey glass. <laughs> and then her sister Stella arrives on the scene and they embrace and Blanche accidentally lets slip her real opinion and says, I thought you would never come back to this horrible place. What am I saying? I didn't mean to say that. I meant to be nice about it and say, oh, what a convenient location and such. <laughs> Nervous laughter. I thought, so, I thought you said you'd never come back to this place. Oh, dear me. <laughs> uh, Blanche is a pretty critical person, we learn quite quickly. She's mean, uh, kind of. No offence. Yeah. She's judging herself through the way she judges others, and that's a lesson, isn't it? Hmm? Mm. Yeah. Absolutely. We can all learn something or two from Blanche. Yeah, for sure. So what do you think that this scene is trying to tell us? <laughs> I'm pretty hung up on the meat still. Um, yeah, I'm, so you're still in meat town. I just really want to unpack that. But Dave, you're going to have to just, um, what do you think it means? 
Mm. Why do you think this scene is in this play? Besides to just introduce us to the character. <laughs> I was going to say, damn it, that was going to be my answer. Was to just to introduce us to the characters. Let no, us know Dave, who they are. you idiot. No, we're setting up status. We're setting up habits. We're setting up expectations, Dave. We're building a world here, Dave. Okay? That's right. Yes, yes. Okay? Shame in Come drinking. On, so does that mean that she has a drinking problem? That she's well, trying to hide from people? The next part that happens is Stella offers her sister a whiskey and Blanche is like, I couldn't possibly. But then she says, all right, I'll have one for my nerves. And then says, I only ever have one. And then immediately pours herself another drink. So she's had three now. Fuck yeah. So I think she she probably does have a bit of a drinking problem. She's is just what like me. Trying to set up here. Get I'm it, girl. <laughs> yeah, yes. Oh. yes. Yes, Blanche. <laughs> Uh, we instantly get the feeling that the dynamic between the two is Blanche always dominates the conversation. Status. Michelle, one She's point. She's even like, Thank you. you haven't commented on my appearance yet. You haven't even asked me why I'm here, why I left my school job early. And then Stella's like, well, I thought you'd tell me if you wanted me to know. <laughs> Which she does because Blanche reveals that she left school early as a her job as a school teacher because of her nerves. The superintendent suggested that she took a break. She loves her nerves. Because she was stressed. She just loves it. It's my nerves. <laughs> I took a break because of my nerves. <laughs> my nerves are crazy. <laughs> she has a neurological disease. She's yeah. played by Liza Minnelli. <laughs> yeah. I had to take a break because of my nerves. I had to take a break from my nerves, darling. <laughs> this crazy cat. <laughs> I'll just have one. <laughs> <laughs> so because of her nerves, Blanche is here to stay for an unspecified time. But she's not happy to stay in this two-bedroom apartment. Well, it's not even a two-bedroom, it's a two-room apartment, I should say. She's sleeping unthinkably on a fold-out bed, can you believe it? But no. sadly, she doesn't have enough money for a hotel, but she doesn't admit to. She's like, I want to be here to be close to you, my sister, but really, she's down on her luck. She hasn't got the money to stay anywhere else. Mm. Sucks. Sucks. <laughs> And we find that out because Blanche eventually works up to telling Stella some bad news about their family home, the large white columned plantation, Belle Reeve. Belle Reeve. The family home, which Blanche points out that Stella left 10 years earlier after their father died. I'm afraid to say, guys, it has been lost. Lost? Mm. How'd they lose it? Well, they don't give, they actually don't give too much more details in this scene. Okay. She says it's lost. Because Stella is so shocked by the news that she leaves to go and wash her face. Mm, that is. Now, you, you know when you get shocked, shocked. and you immediately you have to wash, yeah. wash your face. Because shock uh, is actually the filthiest of all emotions. <laughs> really so. gross. You've got to wash the shock off your face. Wash the shock off your face. It's disgusting. Wash the shock off your face, woman. You disgust me. You make a great. Bad man. <laughs> Thanks. I've been I've been like working and like studying them and stuff. It's cool. I don't know. <laughs> and that's when our meat man Stanley comes home. Yes. Who really? Me. <laughs> he uh, really he's an auto parts supply man, but he just throws meat to his wife on the side. We all it's throw his... meat to our wives on the side. Everybody throws meat to their wives on the side, Dave. It's the streetcar named Desire. New Orleans, whenever it's set. <laughs> oh, I should, tell, the, the, I should say the title comes from at the start of the play, Blanche, she, she arrived on a streetcar 
one of those sort of tram type things mm-hmm. that uh, was was named Desire. So she says to Eunice, the neighbour, I came here on a streetcar named Desire. That's the name so of the, the play. So that's what everyone, <laughs> everyone applauds. They get out the way because otherwise people in the yeah. crowd are thinking about that for an hour and a half going, when are they going to say it? When mm. are they going to say it? Yeah, absolutely. I always give it a clap and a woo whenever they say the name of the film or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I love what, it. What, what about like Macbeth or something where they say the name so many times? Do you applaud every I, single time? <laughs> I've been thrown out. I love Macbeth and I've been thrown out a lot of, a lot of plays. <laughs> he of said Macbeth. it again. Yeah. A segue. I was doing a play at the start of this year and the play before the, the guy I was working with had done was Macbeth and he came in. And he told us this amazing story about this guy who walked on stage like seven scenes too early and just <laughs> vomited the king, my lord, is dead. And everyone was like, what? What? What are you? What? No, he's not. He's not. No, he's not. And then, like, and then he walked off and then panicked for the rest of the play and then came on in the part where he was meant to come on and said, "Tis confirmed. <laughs> That would have gotten applause, surely. <laughs> Tis confirmed. Tis confirmed. Uh, very good stuff. Oh, you fucking idiot. Fucking absolute clown. That's great. I love that. I love. I love the thought process of like everyone knows you've fucked up because everyone knows this play, mm. but you have gone. All right. Well, that's the world I've created. So I'm just gonna have to. And it's like, no, we've seen the whole plan. There's other play, but you've just got. You're so committed to your own play. That you're like, no, nah, that character. He came out. He said that, and I'm just gonna have to go with that. That's where we are tonight. So he just goes with it through the next seven scenes, yeah. improvising. People are trying to stick to the script, and he's like, <laughs> he's like, nah, guys, nah. why won't anyone listen? Seriously, he's dead. The I king do love is on good, stage saying, I love no, a good theatre story, you know. Anyway, I went out and I was very drunk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's that sort of, I love those old theatre crusties. Treading the boards. Yes. Please continue. <laughs> Treading the boards here is uh, Stanley. Uh, if I describe here the, the text, very specific in with descriptions, but the final line of his description is, he sizes women up at a glance with sexual classifications, crude images flashing into his mind and determining the way he smiles at them. I was just going to say um, sweaty and horny is the way he is. That's his vibe. <laughs> yes. Sweaty so, and horny. <laughs> sweaty and horny. Pretty gross, to be honest. Yeah. So he's just the same as one of those, you know, fuck. he's just a fuck boy at a, at a festival. It's like, what, you, what would you write her? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Orange is fucking eight or ten, man. That's serious. <laughs> that sort of guy. <laughs> yeah, that's the kind of guy. We haven't changed much. We're still just as awful. <laughs> <laughs> I have no. I'm not. Um, I'm not going to argue. Sorry. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, Stanley had no idea Blanche was coming, and he sees her in his living room, and there's a bit of an awkward exchange as they introduce themselves. Uh, Stanley says to Blanche, well, you once had a husband when you were young. What happened? And Blanche says, oh, the boy died. And then she says, oh, I think I'm going to be sick and runs into the bathroom. And that whole thing, that is uh, a big chunk of the play, but it is the opening scene. So that's Mm. everything there. We've met three of our four main characters properly. Stella, her husband, Stanley, and then Stella's older sister, Blanche. How are we feeling? Big scene. Huh? Very big. A lot of things going on. So the boy died, the husband or the son? No, she's saying her husband died. Her husband but she was... died. Oh, the boy died. Okay, I get it. I thought so, but I haven't seen this play in a long time. Mm. 
So he died. She, she describes it a bit later, but yeah, she was married quite young. So that's why she refers to him as the boy. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Cute. Mm-hmm. I like that. Girls get girls all the time. You know, women are called girls always. Wouldn't it be mm. nice if we just called you all boys? If we were like, Rupert that. Murdoch, that boy, he is... <laughs> that naughty, naughty boy. <laughs> such a little shit. I think boy, a boy is a funny word. And I think, you know, if you can call anything a boy, you say, oh, it's a, you know, it's a keyboard boy or a glass boy or, yeah. a, you know, a microphone boy. Good I'm boy. Just, yeah. Yeah. You call everything boy. Boy. Yeah, just as much as you want to call Skater boy. Later yeah, boy. Skater boy. It's endless, the opportunity. It's endless. We could just do, we could go on and on. Yeah. But we Air won't. boy, land boy. <laughs> we have, we've boy. gone on. <laughs> T-boy. Dog boy. G-boy. A-boy. B-boy. boy Jessica Mowboy. <laughs> Jessica Mowboy. <laughs> that's, that's the best one. Craig Sorry. boy. No, I got us out of this with Jessica Mowboy. You <laughs> crashed us back in. There is no Craig boy. Why did I even say that? <laughs> I, I just politely let that go thinking that must be someone I've never heard of. <laughs> no, oh, I yeah, just Craig, made him up. Craig. I just Craig made him boy, up and yeah. panicked and I made up a, I made up a person <laughs> called Craig Boy. Oh, that's all right. That's <laughs> like, we all make mistakes. Imagine if Craig Boy pops up in the play. He that will. Be trippy. Oh, he could. He could. He might. I mean, I've, I've read it. There's not much chance. There's but, no um... Craig Boy in the street. Hello, I'm Craig Boy. He's in for one scene. It's glorious. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a newspaper boy coming up. So. That's Craig Boy. Like Craigslist. Craigslist boy. Craig. <laughs> so that's the big opening scene, but it is like, yeah, big, probably over a third of the play, really. Uh, the next day when Blanche is having a bath, which she frequently does throughout the play, a bit same. of symbolic cleansing. I have many baths. I'm the same as Blanche. If I'm honest, I am Blanche. You love a bath? Do you feel fresh after one? She constantly says how fresh she feels. I don't feel fresh. <laughs> and that's because I don't have a bath in my house. I have a Bunnings tub. And uh, so I, I bathe in that. Yeah. What's so a Bunnings tub? A Bunnings yeah. tub is a, is a storage tub from Bunnings. Um, <laughs> and you sit it, in a tub. Yeah, I fill it with water and I get in. And is it, How much of you can get in? Like, is it quite a big me. tub? No, all of me can get in. I've got 180 litres. All right. I was imagining, yeah. like, you know, a small, like, a... I did know, have a, a small one. I have a series of tubs that I graduated through because I thought <laughs> I was smaller you than I am. You can't just go to 180 <laughs> litres straight You up. won't. No, you can't. It's like throwing a baby in the ocean. You can't. You need to learn. You need to That's build how people up drown. That's how people drown. <laughs> was, was, there, was there ever a situation where you had multiple of these buckets at the same time and you had your legs in one, you know? No, I, they're not that lying small. Lying in another. No. Okay. No, they fit my whole body. Okay. They fit my whole body. And I say they would fit your whole body, Dave, and probably your whole body too, Ben. Not all at the oh. same time. And it's not an invitation, boys. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Me and Dave, we're going to take a bath of our own. In a tub. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna our own Bunnings tub. Yeah, you we feel don't need so your refreshed. tub. We're gonna be tub boys. It's not the same. <laughs> <laughs> my baths are different, but I have a lot of baths. Mm. Yeah, that's that's weird, actually, Michelle. No, it's depression, Ben. Thank you very much. <laughs> I don't have a bath either. No well, you fucking get one. It'll fix everything. Melbourne, hey? Oh, it's been a year. All right. (laughs) Well, Blanche is also suffering from depression and using the bath. So (laughs) 
<laughs> do you, well, does, no, she think. Have, does she have bars because she's depressed or does she is she de- is she depressed because she has bars? Yeah, her skin's always wrinkly and she's unhappy about it. Yeah. It's really bringing her down. It's a real chicken or egg situation. I am Blanche. I drink whiskey. I'm not depressed. Oh. That was a bit of a reach. But I am sadder than normal. <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you so much. Well, it's healthy to acknowledge these things, I right? did it. Mm. Well, so while Blanche is in the tub, Bunnings or otherwise, it's actually not specified how big it is. But or if it's just, a I'd say it's 180 litres. It would be yeah, 180 litres. 180 plus. Uh, Stanley speaks be. to his wife, Stella, demanding to know what happened to the family property, Bell Reap before, the one that, you know, I said was gone. He wants to see some paperwork. He wants to make sure that Blanche isn't swindling them out of some inheritance and is suspicious because Blanche wears furs and jewellery and looks quite fancy. But Stella assures him that they are all cheap and they're all fakes. But he wants to get a friend in to value them. So Stanley is immediately suspicious of his sister-in-law that's moved in. He's such a dog. Yeah, he's not a great guy. Fucking Mm -mm. dog. Well, after a bath, Stanley immediately questions Blanche about the property Belle Reeve. All the while, all she's trying to do is get him to compliment her on on her looks, which he refuses to do. I hate this guy. I'm the same as her. I'm exactly the same. That's all I do. I get out of the bath. I'm like, hey, what do you reckon? What do you reckon of this? What do you reckon of this, hey? What do you reckon? And they're like, He's tell like, me what happened to Bell. And I'm like, shut yeah. the fuck up. Where's the documents, huh? huh? Like, what and are you're you like, talking about? Documents? 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 <laughs> well, I don't know, sir. I'm just a little girl. <laughs> and I'm just a meat boy. <laughs> <laughs> tell me I'm pretty. Well, eventually Blanche shows Stanley some paperwork from her trunk. Which he's brought with her. But she doesn't give him all the papers in there, which makes him a bit sus. He's like, what are they? But she tells him the other papers are old love letters and that he can't see them. Too horny. Mm. But anyway, he does see on the paperwork multiple loans on the plantation. Hmm. Meaning it's gone and sort of, it's been mortgaged. It's gone into receivership type thing. So that's why they've lost the property because they borrowed all this money against it and then no one could pay it back. And then Stanley tells Blanche that he's only questioning her because he now has to look out for his family because Stella is pregnant. Whoa. Bombshell. She did little, not know that. Little boy. Was that from was that foreshadowed with did Stella go into the bathroom to throw up? Yes. Earlier? Oh, no, so, no, I think that's no, Blanche. Was Blanche, okay. Blanche did from her from her nerves. Oh right. She's okay. pregnant and her with whiskey. nerves. Okay. And then Stella comes in and Blanche is happy to hear that she's pregnant. She's like, oh, I just heard you're pregnant. So that's quite, you know, they're nice about that. Then they go out to dinner <laughs> to see a show while Stanley has his friends over for a poker night. Uh-oh. That's Cut to the next good. scene. Stella and Blanche come home from their night out to find the guy still playing poker, drinking whiskey and eating watermelon. What a combo. What a combo. That's actually a tasty <laughs> fucking combination. <laughs> oh, Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, we need to have more whiskey nights. Guys, let's have some whiskey and watermelon nights. I would I'd love, love to that. have a whiskey and watermelon night with you guys. That'd be really nice. Should Play we do some it? poker, smoke some cigars, Let me see. drink oh, wow. whiskey, eat watermelon in the hot New Orleans <laughs> summer air. <laughs> I'm in. I'm yeah. same. Yep. So at the moment, I will say literally yes to any invitation I'm given. <laughs> <laughs> I'm open and I'm saying yes. (laughs) (laughs) 
So Blanche walks in on this whiskey watermelon party and she says, oh, don't get up to everyone. And Stanley replies, nobody's going to get up. So don't be worried. So he's, he's quite rude. He's so now. rude, but she kind of deserves it. She's a psycho. Yeah. yeah. I shouldn't Stella, call her a psycho. That she's she is unwell. a bit of a psychopath. <laughs> Fuck. She is. She, to be fair, uh, she is a bit psycho, but it is medical and uh, no good. Was it medical? I forget that. Well, it's she's d- no. Well, I don't know. I I mean, I don't think she did the K ten, but I think like she's having a hard time. You know. Yeah. Right. Okay. What is it? The forties. The forties. Yeah. Yeah. Late forties. Yep. It's her nerves, darling. <laughs> Yeah, she's got the nerves. And when Stella is like, Stanley, it's late. It's 2.30 in the morning. Maybe you should finish for the night. He slaps her on the thigh and then the men laugh. So mm. not a great not a great outcome mm. there. Blanche goes for another bath. Typical. With all it's these two- men in your two-bedroom apartment, you're, you're going to go have a bath. bath. Mate, don't. It's a two-bath two night. Two yeah, you've already had a bath. Night. <laughs> don't have another bath. Don't have another bath. Uh, one That's of them's going to come in. They're going to want to pee. There's too many people. You what, one worse, bathroom. They're going to do a poo. Oh, they're going to want to do a poo, Blanche. In the bath. Oh no. Blanche, get out of it. They got to We need to poo, Blanche. We've been drinking <laughs> whiskey all night. Well, you're actually onto something there because on the way into the bathroom, mm-hmm. that's when she meets Stanley's friend Mitch, played by Michelle. Hey, I'm Mitch. Her <laughs> fourth main character. Oh, I, I'm Mitch. No, it wouldn't be. It's I'm New Mitch. Orleans. I, it's set in New Orleans. I'm Mitch, and I'm from New Orleans, and I <laughs> like jazz. It'd be a southern. I love jazz. Like, more southern. Yeah. Like, sort of like a Londoner. <laughs> yeah, yeah, take that. Like America. I, I love jazz. I, I'm very interested in, in jazz. Um, you just this is Australian. just a neutral Australian. Like a- I'm doing neutral <laughs> Australian. The reason I'm doing it is because last night I was trying to do neutral Australian because there's a terrible uh, Rupert Murdoch um, voice on the movie Bombshell. And it was like, hey, you guys, I'm Rupert Murdoch. <laughs> I was like, I'm Rupert Murdoch. He doesn't talk Terrible. like that. <laughs> it was very funny. Anyway, so more Southern. Mm. Mm, right. Okay. Hey, hey, you guys, I'm oh. Mitch. You know what, that's, that's an improvement, so let's just... <laughs> <laughs> You've actually made improvements, so that's, I, think that's worth, I think that's worth just, you know, soldiering ahead. Thank so we'll lock you. that in? Okay. We'll lock that thank, in. Thank me. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> lock it in. <laughs> well, the two flirt. I'm sure you could flirt in that voice. Hey, and, uh, Blanche. Blanche. Oh, yeah. you look, Mitch. You look so <laughs> nice there in that bathtub. That accent is so authentic. Oh, thank you. I think it's kind of more of like a an animated television character I saw. Uh, one I hope you didn't time. take a shit in there because mommy's gonna <laughs> take a bath. <laughs> 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 the next thing I'd written here is she likes him as he seems different to the other ruffians. <laughs> Did you take a shit in that bed? I'm um, different, different from the other boys. <laughs> Those ruffians. <laughs> 
And the reason she thinks that is because he wants to go home and see his sick mother because, yes, it's 2.30 in the morning and he says she can't sleep until he gets home. But still, that's quite nice, isn't it? At least, at least thinking about the mother at 2.30 in the morning. Just go home, dickhead. Go home. Just go home. Yeah. Go home, he's mate. Gonna, he's, he's too afraid of FOMO. Yeah. He's a pussy. He's a fucking mm. pussy. You can say that because you're deep inside the mind of the character. Yeah, I am. That's you're my motivation. I'm a pussy. <laughs> That's one of your key words. I'm Mitch, and I'm a pussy. <laughs> well, Stanley grows frustrated with Mitch slowing down the game because they've got to pause it while he's flirting with Blanche. And in the other room with Mitch, Blanche puts on the radio and starts to dance, but Stanley charges in so angry for disturbing his poker match. He grabs the radio and throws it out the window. No good. Total normal reaction. No good. I had an no. art teacher once who um, he used to smoke weed all the time and he got real paranoid <laughs> and he started just like throwing people's iPods out the window when they would be listening to their iPods <laughs> during class and then it escalated so nobody would bring out their iPod anymore but if he didn't like your art and he thought you were taking the piss, he'd scrunch it up and throw it out the window. <laughs> it was great. It was a Five stars. The people aren't getting their iPods out, but they're also not getting their art out because they just don't want him to see it. Yeah, that was it. It was just like, sit still and don't move. Once uh, someone set uh, one of the desks on fire and he did not know what to do. He just sort of stood. <laughs> stood Tried to throw there. it out the window. He's like, I can't pick that up. I have no, I've got no moves left. <laughs> I'm an art teacher. <laughs> it was wild. It was he like had a good time in the seventies kind of guy. Like it was just like he he took something and he never came out of it. And oh. now he's there's this weird trip where he's a teacher and he just, <laughs> he's like I don't I'm know how to get out of this. Children, <laughs> leave your death computer music at home. <laughs> so he's come in, thrown the radio out the window, Stella. Mm. The wife yells at him to stop and for everyone to clear out of their house, but Stanley flies into a rage and we hear Stanley strike her off stage. Mm. Stanley's friends are like, what the hell is happening? They have to haul him away and pin him down and then take him in to have a cold shower. Mm. Opposite of a hot bath. Mm. He needs Different. to chill the fuck out. He needs Absolutely. To chill the fuck out. Yeah. He's a shithead. And then Blanche and Stella go upstairs to seek refuge at the neighbour Eunice's house. And this is when Stanley, still dripping, dripping wet from the shower, rushes out into the yard and starts famously screaming, Stella! <laughs> Good for us. <laughs> that was a bit of fun. <laughs> from the hit television series, The Simpsons. <laughs> Man, yes. You better believe I went back and rewatched that. I watched that episode. <laughs> Streetcar named Marsh. Good stuff. <laughs> Streetcar named Marsh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would have been so yeah. fun to write. Can't you hear God. me, Yella? <laughs> 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 it's so good. <laughs> but even in the script, you know he's yelling it because Stella is written with five H's on the end. Stella. Stella. <laughs> Echoed in Rocky when he scr- they scream Adrian. With five H's on the end. Same. It's the same. <laughs> That's Star. It's good writing. Star. <laughs> Stella. Uh, Rose Dubois. <laughs> <laughs> you must be her sister. Dubois. That's my. That's my Stallone. Thank you. Incredible. Really Thank you so much. 
Well, eventually Stella comes to the door after the yelling because it's the middle of the night and he's just yelling Stella over and over again. He falls to his knees and puts his head to her stomach. They reunite and he carries her back to the flat downstairs. That's fucking. That's in. That's not okay. That's not okay. What just happened? And Stella should know she's in a play. And people are watching this, and there are young women watching <laughs> She's this. It's a role Stella, model. And you've just made a terrible example in front of this. This is a play, Stella. Fucking cut it out, okay? God yeah. damn it. Say no. Say just no. Just get out of there. Just get out of there if you can. Sometimes it's not safe, That's but when right. you can, if get the safe. fuck out, Stella. Cool. Get, get a wizard to turn him into a frog. <laughs> I mean, that's plan B, but I love it. I read an article about these um, these guys who help DV uh, domestic violence victims move out of their houses really fast while their partner who is abusive is out of the house. Either he's like gone to prison for like two days or he's just at work. And they were saying how like they just take as much stuff and she'll be like, oh, no, that's like th- that. Leave that. It's fine. He can have that. And they'll be like, no, nah, fuck him. I want that if you don't want that. <laughs> it's just like it's like. <laughs> <laughs> Two big fucking guys been like, fuck this guy. It's so funny. It was in like ABC. I was like, yeah, get a ball, boys. Steal. When I, was a, when I was a removalist, we had to do some of those jobs. Oh, golly. Yeah. I'm sorry, Ben. That would have been rough. Did you steal anything? No. Fuck. No, but we worked quickly. Yeah. Are you honestly like you're on the clock sort of like, you know, looking over yeah. your shoulder, making sure because it obviously could go south pretty quickly. If... You just got to stay calm. Mm. Did you ever get caught? By uh, Stanley? I, I didn't, but I believe some of my co-workers have, have been Woof. in those sticky situations. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That would be wild. Yeah, it's really intense. And amazing. It's an amazing job. Amazing. Good work, but I'm afraid the removalists do not rock up in this story. The next David Williamson's The Removalist. Yeah, that's, that's a different play altogether. <laughs> Another great play. Mashup! <laughs> Can I get... <laughs> From a, 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 the removalist, that's sl- that's later, right? When was the removalist? Much written? later. That was like sixties or seventies, I think. Seventies, yeah, nice. I love the removalists. That's a great yeah. one. Such a good play. Get into the removalists. Hot tip. Hot tip. There's a brand Hot new tip. play called the removalists. There's a brand new Australian <laughs> play called the removalists. Not a lot of women's roles, uh, as I remember it. No. I think uh, I think he's, David Williamson is still writing plays. Amazingly, he's been yeah. doing it for decades. Yeah, there, there's it did a new play like I want to say last year. Was that David Williamson that there was something on at yeah. like, the Malt House? Yeah, I think he still and puts on like, big shows. Jesus yeah. Christ, how 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 old are you? And he did like a sequel to Don's Party, like literally forty years later. <laughs> wow. Don Don's party. I think it's called like, like Don Party Don's Zone party or something. In Vegas, it's like they're in. They wake up in Vegas. They're like, ah. Oh no! What's my class hangover in too? Here. But it's a David. I remember the play. theaters used to put on David Williamson plays to get the old folk in because they used to love David Williamson plays. Mm, they do. They love them. They it's a cash to, cow. It's like it's like crack for <laughs> old people. Yeah, which think- is funny enough, still crack. <laughs> it's all just marketing spin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is for you old people. They're like, oh, great. That's the same stuff yeah. you, your teenage grandson's having, mate. Yeah, they don't even know they're taking it. They say it's crack for old people, but in truth, they're having the same crack as everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. 
Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, book cheaters. Just Dave here, quickly stopping the podcast for a second to ask you a question. And that question is, which of my online searches does the government have a right to know about? Me looking up my neighbor's houses on real estate websites to see how they live? Me jumping on eBay and valuing a Charizard Pokemon card to see if I can finally, all these years later, get it? Or Google imaging myself to see if I am still in fact the number one ranked Dave Warnke on Google.com? The answer is none of the above. That last one is particularly embarrassing to admit to. And you can ensure the answer is none of the above if you have ExpressVPN. Without ExpressVPN's protection, though, hackers, governments, ad companies, and ISPs all have full access to your data. I don't want them using my web history or my video searches against me. That's why I always use ExpressVPN every time I go online. If you don't know what ExpressVPN is, basically it encrypts and reroutes your web traffic to any number of countries, keeping you safer and secure. You get the ExpressVPN app, click connect, and then boom, you are protected. And a sweet little bonus is with ExpressVPN, you can make it seem like you're browsing from a different country. So you can watch any Netflix library in the world that you want. I've been watching a lot of Jason Statham movies on the German Netflix. I think Germany's mad for Jason Statham, and so am I. But anyway, if you'd like to protect your online activity today and find out how you can get three months free, go to expressvpn.com slash bookcheat. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash bookcheat. And you'll get three months free with a one-year package. One more time, go to expressvpn.com slash bookcheat to learn more. Now, I've got to get back on Google Images to make sure I'm still number one. Please, David, continue talking about this Tennessee Williams play. Well, the next morning, (laughs) Blanche is shocked to see that Stella has fully forgiven Stanley. Blanche tells her that she's young and should get out while she can, but Stella doesn't... Get the fuck out, Stella. But she doesn't think she's in something she wants to get out of. She's like, no, I'm happy here. Blanche Mm. speaks of a dream of them starting a shop together, but it's very light on detail. But Stella is happy where she is. She loves Stanley. Does she love Stanley or does she love Stan Lee? (laughs) She loves... We all love Stan Lee. (laughs) I love love Iron Man. I love Iron Man. I love the (laughs) Spider-Man. I love the hey hey tell you what I love a Black Widow because I'm a feminist. Oh That's yeah, so brave. Yeah, well I'm I love Miss Marvel because I'm even more of a feminist. So okay, well that's pretty cool. That's it. That's all. You what can't you tell, but I've got a smug. I got a real <laughs> smug look on my face. I keep making smug looks at you too, and then I realize that's not going to be on the pod, and yeah. I have to clarify that it's time to move on. Well, we're getting finished the, talking. We're getting the smug looks. <laughs> People, I okay. hope you can feel the smugness. Yeah, there's context clues here. <laughs> Anyways, I feel sorry for Stella and uh, it's not her fault. Absolutely not. I just not. wanted to say that. But Blanche says, can I speak frankly about Stanley? And precisely at that moment, a train goes by outside and covers the noise of Stanley himself entering the apartment. So, he, so he secretly Tiny hears, little apartment. Tiny, tiny, tiny. Why can't you see him? <laughs> I know. It's very strange. A bit of stagecraft going on there. Looking I love stagecraft. I love it. you're like two centimetres in front of someone and they're like, why are you doing a monologue? <laughs> I love cheating it. Have you ever cheated it? Cheating it. Love cheating it. Love yeah, it. Can you just cheat it over here? Just cheat and that just up cheat, stage? Or just cheat, cheat that, that down stage? 
Cheat, cheat it. that. Can we cheat this? P side? Oh, just cheat that. Oh, we're just going to cheat it. We'll just cheat it. That's just a bit I feel of like the, lingo. The original lingo has been lost, and now cheating is just. If we could just move <laughs> or do this. <laughs> you just move. Can we? It move. means can we just not worry about it? It's like, can we just, can we just I don't know. I don't fucking care, is what the director's saying. He's <laughs> saying, I don't care. Just I'll cheat. have to see your face. Turn around. It's really can taking you just cheat your face. Taking the realism out of it by cheating, cheating your face off. Yeah. Cheating your face off. Can you just cheat that face off? Can we just have a cheat? <laughs> so because because of the cheating nature of this this play, uh, Stanley mm. enters and they pretend to not notice. Obviously, you're acting. Um, so, but the he, audience can tell. Yeah, that's a big point. See so him standing t- there with his yeah. shoulders and his singlet, being like, yeah. in the background, just watching. Marlon Brando as. Don Corleone. Right? <laughs> and my name is Stanley. <laughs> my name is Stanley. I'm uh, Stella. Stella. <laughs> <laughs> so he hears Blanche talk about how common he is, how he acts like mm. an animal and has animal habits. She describes him as subhuman and really goes to town on him. The whole time, he hears everything. She's really quite rude. Then another train goes past and Stanley quietly leaves and then pretends to arrive having heard nothing of the, the, mm-hmm. the bashing that's just gone on. He's just like, oh, hello. Yeah, I'm home Knock, now. knock, knock. Hello. Yeah. Haven't heard anything, but he's heard it all, guys. The thing is, she's absolutely right. She is right. He's a, he's a bad dude. Bad guy. Yeah. But her execution, like all of her real executions, is flawed. Very flawed. Well, three months go past with Blanche still living with her sister. Stanley starts asking Blanche if she knows a man named Shaw, which immediately catches her off guard. Because Stanley has heard from a friend that Blanche and Shaw were seen together frequently at the Flamingo Hotel. Ooh. A rather seedy establishment that she denies she's ever even been at. Oh, I'd never oh. put in the Flamingo Hotel. Yeah, honestly, she's like, oh my God. And then he says... Never been to the Flamingo Hotel. <laughs> It's so much more threatening, isn't it? <laughs> I love it. I think there's my brother a... Santino, <laughs> Michael, you must tell me. Have That's you what been they to should the have done. Yeah. It should be like that. That. That's how it should be. You come to me. <laughs> you come to me in my house with my pregnant wife. You don't even call me Godfather. <laughs> Please continue. I'm sorry. Well, no. He's like, oh, oh, you've never been there. Oh, there must have been some mistake, but that's okay. I know lots of people that live down there. I'll double check. Sort of threatening to look into her mm. past. Then Blanche goes on a date with Mitch, played by Michelle. You want to go on a little date? <laughs> You'll never believe who rocks that whilst I was waiting. And that is a certain paper boy comes to the door. Oh. And, uh, extra, extra. <laughs> I'm a paper boy. Blanche sort of forces herself on this young man and kisses him on the lips and then says, Now run along. Quickly. It would be nice to keep you, but I've got to be good and keep my hands off children. Which is quite a strange thing to say out loud to a child. I never registered that before. <laughs> that's it was a different time. That's new for it was me. a different time. Charlie Chaplin. <laughs> 
It's a different Charlie time. Chaplin. Charlie Chaplin. Different time. <laughs> End of Charlie sentence. Chaplin. <laughs> Different time. Different David time. Bowie, different time. David Bowie, different time. Jerry Seinfeld, different, different time. Different time. <laughs> <laughs> These people aren't even alive time. anymore, so we, we can't even yeah. compare ourselves to them. <laughs> How can we possibly compare ourselves to them? Mm. Uh, so she kisses the paper boy and says, I've got to keep my hands off children. Then Mitch arrives with flowers and they go on a date. Well, they return mm. from the date in the next scene, speaking of how the night didn't go that well. Sort of doing, having a bit of a debrief. It obviously wasn't a great night. Like after on The Bachelorette when they come back and he doesn't have a rose. Yeah. <laughs> I really thought we had a connection. <laughs> I'm heartbroken. It's the end I of my journey. I came here for love. I came here for, for her. I came I don't here so care I could become an Instagram. Instagram influencer. <laughs> oh, no. Did I say that out loud? Oh, no. <laughs> but still, the night didn't go that well, but she still invites him in for a nightcap. And then Blanche mm. asks in French if he would like to sleep with her. He doesn't speak uh, French and has no idea what she just said. And she's like, oh, that's good. You didn't understand that. <laughs> Is that a bit of a voulez-vous coucher avec moi? Oh, yeah. C'est soi. And he's like, I don't speak that. He's like, <laughs> he's like I love that song. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's really into it. <laughs> Is that, he knows uh, all the moves. Name Pink is in there. Oh, Ma- Kim? Maya. Maya. Christina. Oh, oh, oh. Christina Aguilera. Christina. Yeah. And then Missy Elliott just name checks him at the end. Maya. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sick. Little Pink. Great I remember when that Lil song Kim. first came out. It was absolutely wild. It was a fucking wild time. Oh, I love how yeah. they all have a riff after their name and um, Lil' Kim's riff is, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> that was the 10th take and that was the best one. <laughs> They're like, yeah. And Missy Elliott was like, I guess, Maya, you go. <laughs> Did that come out during uh, Moulin Rouge? Yeah, it was a collab because that's not Fuck the original yes. song. No. It is to me, though. <laughs> mm. To a generation of us, it is, yeah. Like, like um, this this play was based on that episode of The Simpsons for many of us. That's right. Lame is a lot of stuff came from The Simpsons. You guys should check out The Simpsons, by the way, if you haven't already. Oh, definitely check it out. Yeah, it's fantastic. Like hot tip. Yeah, big hot tip. Yeah. Hottie T. Short for hot tip. Oh. Hottie T. That's a hottie T. <laughs> You guys want to come around for some hottie tea and some watermelon? Oh, I'd love that, yes. actually. But again, I say yes to anything at the moment. So. <laughs> watermelon related uh, gets my attention. Mm. Yes, good. I had some last yeah. night. Did you? Yes. It was I great. Think I had some last night as well. I think it's my favorite fruit. Oh, wow. Okay, mine is uh, golden kiwi fruit or raspberry. You really? Exotic little <laughs> You exotic little prince. That's quite a tart that's quite a tart palette you've got there, mm. Dave. Yes. I so I, I would say you're a super taster. Are you fussy? Extremely. Yeah. Pies. I can tell from your favourite fruit. Oh really okay, well, uh what kind of fruit do you like, Michelle? Do you have a favourite? I love all fruits. I'm not fussy. Oh wow. What's your favourite? There's a gun to your your head. Gun to my head? We had to yep. think about it. Gun to your nose. Gun yeah, to your, well, gun to your femur. A gun to your shoulder. Gun to your nose. You can't breathe. There's a gun to your shoulder. They're going to hurt you. Strawberries. Okay. Strawberries. Strawberries. Great choice. I also love I banana. Love, 
You don't like watermelon. Watermelon. I do. I, I love watermelon. No, watermelon's really good, but we've already discussed it, so I did want to bring. Um, what some can new... you tell me about my favorite fruit? Am I a super taster or am I a basic bitch? No, I think you're just a beautiful, a beautiful little baby boy. You're a beautiful little baby boy. That's what my favorite fruit tells you. <laughs> yeah, that you're a beautiful little baby boy, and you should not if, be stopped. What if I said something like kiwi fruit? So mm. kiwi fruit, I'd be like, mm, okay, he's a foodie. So, because I hear I hear super taster, and I think, oh, that sounds quite complimentary. But then, obviously, being fussy isn't quite isn't desirable. You're a super taster because you taste. You don't like very many foods because you taste them more than other people do. You've got a fucking absolutely amazing palate. Yeah, so you can taste all the best. But like the the fruits that you described are the closest to lollies. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's the vibe. That's your vibe. And also they're quite tart, which super tasters usually will not be upset about. I don't, I don't know. It Dave. depends. It sounds like she's throwing shade at you when she says that. I know. Right? I, oh, no, I am. Sorry. I didn't want this to be a compliment. Yeah. No. Oh, I mean, super taster. <laughs> it sounds like a... No, it's a, no, I think it is a compliment. It's cool. I think I used to be one because I used to be very fussy. I used to hate coriander and now I love it. And oh people say that you cannot you change that. Right? I've changed it. You've, and I used to smell it and be like, this is dish soap. This is ruining every dish it touches. I love but coriander. then I love it too. It's my favorite. Coriander pesto, I'll just eat it with my fingers. It's the fucking greatest. I also like it. Is that a good sign or for Or as they super say taster? in America, That's a good cilantro. Sign for you. Cilantro. I love cilantro. 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 Oh, a bit of cilantro. <laughs> That's what they say down in America. Um, <laughs> down south. Down south. <laughs> I can only not eat. One or two things, and one of them is oysters. Oh. All oh, right. I'm not a The fan. rest, I'll, I'll, I'll suck up anything. Just not oysters. Just, I can't deal with oysters. I'm a, it's a it's a texture thing. Oh, that's understandable. It, it, yeah, I get that. I know what you mean. I do, I do like oysters, but I understand what you're saying. Yeah. Mm. Just feels like I've got a sinus infection. I respect <laughs> you know? that. I definitely respect that. Yeah, fair enough. Yuck. <laughs> I'll never eat them again. No, I never ate them anyway. Unless they're in pie form. Would you ever eat an oyster pie? Yeah, pro- I'd probably try one, yeah. But again, then again, I am a super taster apparently. So Yeah, you're a yeah. super taster. Sounds like a Stan Lee character, but... It is. Well, speaking of Stan Lee, what's he doing now? Stan Lee, well, so <laughs> Mitch has just come over after for a nightcap. After their yep. date. And they get talking about Mitch's mother who lives on the who uh, lives around the corner. She's only got a few months to live. And we speak about loneliness, and this is when Blanche reveals the tragic story of her husband, the boy mentioned at the start of the play. The boy. They met when they were both very young. She was just 16, and she fell madly in love with this guy, and they got married. But then she walked in on him and another man, a much older man who was their, oh their friend. But the three of them pretended nothing had happened, and they went out drinking and dancing together. But Blanche told her husband that he disgusted her. That's when he ran out of the club. And shot himself in the head. Fuck. Oh. That's tough. So that, that's the, when she says the boy died, that's how, how he died. Mm. And then Mitch hears this story and tells Blanche that they both need someone. And he asks, could it be you and me, Blanche? So, you know, things are looking up for Blanche. There's someone, someone for Blanche now. Yeah. But then a few weeks go by and it's Blanche's birthday. And whilst having one of her famous baths, Stanley tells Stella that he's done some more digging into Blanche's past and found some more juicy gossip on Stella's sister. She had a notorious reputation where she came from in Laurel. He says, quote, 
She is as famous in Laurel as if she was the President of the United States. Only, she's not respected by any party. End oh, quote. no. Implying that she dated lots of men and s- says even the seedy Flamingo Hotel had to kick her out. Oh, tough. He says, quote, That's They got tough. wised up after two or three dates with her and then they quit. And she goes on to another. The same old line, same old act, same old hooey. But the town was too small for this to go on forever. And as time went by, she became a town character regarded as not just different, but downright loco. Nuts. End quote. Loco is uh, Spanish for nuts. Mm-hmm. Well, it's Spanish for crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it's not you don't offer like loco as nuts. Loco? Mix loco? <laughs> loco, por favor. <laughs> <laughs> Cajones. Yo quiero and loco. They would think that you were loco. Hello, can I have some crazy? <laughs> They're hitting the panic button under the table. But that's only part of what Stanley's heard that she's uh, gone around dating all these men. The other part is that she hasn't taken a break from teaching like she claims. In fact, she's been fired from teaching, from mixing. With a 17-year-old boy. She's a pedo. Tough. <laughs> Different times. And Stella doesn't believe it and defends her sister, saying that she, she had her heart broken when she was young and hasn't recovered. And Stella mm. starts putting candles in Blanche's birthday cake and that's and says, oh, Mitch will be joining us soon. But Stanley says, oh, I wouldn't be expecting Mitch if I was you. He says, Mitch is my friend and he's, I've already told him everything I found out about Blanche. It's so cruel to just drag her through the mud like this and drag her past up. I hate this fucking guy. Yeah, he's so bad. And Stella's very upset by this because Blanche had told her that, you know, she hoped that maybe Mitch and her would marry. Mm. But don't worry, Stanley isn't completely heartless. He tells Stella he's gotten Blanche a birthday present, which is a bus ticket out of town, (laughs) which is so brutal. (laughs) So brutal. A Blanche comes back in from the bath and can see that they've been talking about something, but they won't tell her what. She's like, what happened? What? What happened? They're like, I don't want What happened? <laughs> what? What happened? Tell me what happened. <laughs> well, they continue on like nothing has happened. They have the birthday dinner and uh, Blanche has no idea why Mitch never turned up. Uh, she goes to call him, uh, but he doesn't answer the phone. And that's when Stanley again saves the day by giving Blanche her birthday present, which is a Greyhound bus ticket back to Laurel, leaving on Tuesday. And Blanche is so taken aback, she starts to choke and runs into the bathroom again. Stella is absolutely furious. Her husband is treating her kind and trusting sister so poorly, saying that men like you are the reason she is like she is now. That's exactly right. Well, no, that's not true. That's not true. The... Uh, homophobia is the reason that she's like that, really. Because if there was no homophobia, that guy just would have been gay and he never would have That's married right, Blanche. exactly. He wouldn't and have then there would have... be no pain and she wouldn't be desperately seeking a young man forever to replace the young man that she it's lost. It's a cycle of prejudice that ruins lives. So it's her prejudice and it's also men's prejudice against yeah. women. And also Stanley and... probably is a homophobe, so actually she's probably right. Oh, I'd go out on a limb and say he probably is, I reckon. Do you reckon he's a homophobe? I mean, mm. it's never said in the play, but am I being prejudiced by judging this character? Oh my god! No, I'm pretty sure if it was any any, I'm pretty sure everyone was homophobic at that time. Yeah, that was the big. That was a. It was very scary. It was it was big for homophobes. 
Big time. <laughs> a big, Excellent time to be a homophobe, honestly. A real big thriving community. community. Oh Just <laughs> thriving. If someone goes, oh, what year would you want to go? Would you ever want to be, you know, live through? And they go, 1930s. You'd be like, <laughs> classic homophobe. <laughs> and you've trapped them. <laughs> and you can cut them out of your fucking lives. Got them on tape. <laughs> <laughs> So, Stella's like, Stanley, why are you acting like this? And Stanley tells her that their life was great before Blanche arrived. She's ruined everything. Stella was happy to share his working class life until Blanche appeared. And then suddenly, Stella tells Stanley to take her to the hospital because she is going into labour. And while they're out, Mitch turns up and finds Blanche alone in the house and confronts her about the stories that Stanley told her about her. She denies it all at first, but eventually tells him that after a young husband's death, quote... Intimacies with strangers was all I seemed able to fill my empty heart with. I think a it was strangers, just a friend you haven't <laughs> met yet. Basically, but she's like, I just I was driven from person to person, hunting some protection, and eventually she found herself with a seventeen-year-old boy, and then lost her teaching job because of it. Tough. But she says tough gig. Then- she did do the wrong thing. Yeah, she definitely did the wrong thing. I like these f- plays where there's no, there's no good, good guy. No, it's that real. Yeah. it's like life. A Maybe lot of Stella. The time at the moment, Stella. I feel like Stella is like Stella and Mitch are much more likable than the other two than Stanley and Blanche. Yeah. What about yeah. What about Paperboy? I love Paperboy. Love Paperboy. He's the hero. <laughs> He's the hero of this play. I yeah. hope you got a mention in the Year Twelve essay. I really do. But they're they're the most passive ones so far, so they're the heroes, yeah. But they're also the most passive characters. You've got the two dominating, terrible people, Stanley and Blanche. Mm. It's very flea bag, isn't it? Oh, it's very flea bag. I tell you what. Do they talk and they go? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> actually shagged him. <laughs> and just look at the cam- camera. Bit of eyebrow work. Whoops. <laughs> See, that's what I said. I'm gonna shag him later. <laughs> Please continue. Well, she says, "Look, that's my past, but then I saw you. I met you, Mitch. I saw a real future. But then he tells her that she's not good enough to marry him anymore. Oof. So she tells him to leave, and when he doesn't, she starts screaming, "Fire! Fire! Fire!" Until he does. So that's that's the method. I've tried that. I have tried that. <laughs> well later that evening and many drinks later Blanche is home alone when Stanley arrives He tells her that the baby won't be born until the next day So it's just the two of them Blanche tells Stanley this fantastical story About how she received a telegram from an old flame Who's a Texan oil millionaire And that soon she'll be joining him to sail around the Caribbean And it's so sad because she behaves Like I don't know if it, what the text says But she is usually performed as being like, oh, you know, putting the, on those airs again and just really being like, oh, I'm, I'm fine. And I'm like really just soaring. Yeah, and, she's, and, she's and she's dressed up bottom. like in a sort of uh, very flamboyant gear, lots of furs and very things like psychotic. that. And she's it's wearing sad. like jewels on her head. Yeah. And st- too proud to ask for help yet not to just steal or, or like <laughs> just freeload. And- yeah. Well, Stanley humours her whilst, uh, whilst he drinks a few beers himself. But when Blanche tells him that Mitch came back with flowers begging her to take him back, 
Stanley calls her out and tells her he knows that isn't true because he saw Mitch and he knows where he is. He also knows that the Texas millionaire is a fabrication. And Blanche is... let her have it. I know she's very upset by this, but it's uh, quite a brutal scene. And uh, it only gets worse because Blanche asks Stanley to stand aside from the doorway. But then he won't let her through the door. And, uh, And when he won't do that, she breaks a beer bottle and threatens him with it even striking out at him before he catches her wrist to stop it sort of cutting him. And then he drags, uh, he grabs her and drags her into the bedroom and offstage it's implied that he assaults her. Yes. So that is a pretty horrific scene. Mm. Yes. Which is the second last scene, which leads us to the final scene. And this has all happened in sequential order. It's not in acts or anything. It's just, uh, Mm. I imagine if you wanted to, you could break it up for an audience, but really it's just a sequence of 11 scenes. And this is the final scene. Which takes place. You wouldn't break it up. You wouldn't I love, put a, an interval in there. Yeah, I think it would be difficult. I love how it's all just. I mean, that's a. Yeah. It's all just at the house. It doesn't. Yeah. Really. It's so domestic. And mm. that's nice. It's domestic as fuck. And uh, the final scene takes place some weeks later, and Stella can be seen packing Blanche's possessions into a box. Her baby, now a few weeks old, is asleep in her neighbor's house. Because Stanley is hosting. Yet another poker game downstairs. Dog. It seems Stella is sending Blanche away somewhere, and Blanche doesn't really understand why. She still thinks it has something to do with the Texan millionaire. She takes another bath, final one of the play, and asks Stella to take the numbers of anyone who calls. She seems increasingly disengaged from reality by this point. The neighbour, Eunice, is helping Stella pack her sister's belongings, and Stella says to Eunice, I don't know if I did the right thing. I couldn't believe her story and go on living with Stanley, end quote. That's right, Stella doesn't believe Blanche's story that Stanley assaulted her the night she was giving birth. Brutal. And it seems that Blanche has since suffered a full nervous breakdown. And that's when a doctor and a matron from a state mental institution arrive to pick up Blanche. Eunice announces that, oh, someone is calling for Blanche and Blanche is ready to go but doesn't want to pass through the room where the men are playing poker. She still thinks that she's being picked up by this Texan millionaire guy. Blanche panics and is pinned down by the matron, but the doctor calmly approaches and relaxes her. He tells the matron to let her go and that they won't be needing the straight jacket today. Blanche doesn't know who this doctor is or what he's doing, but finds him calming and she delivers one of the most famous lines of the play, which is, Whoever you are, I have always depended on the kindness of strangers. Then uh, Stanley goes to Stella as she is sobbing as her sister is led away by the doctor. Stella is absolutely devastated. All the while, the men's poker game continues, and the final line of the play is one of the players, Steve, saying, this game is a seven-card stud. So they go on with their lives without even really noticing. And that is the end of a streetcar named Desire. It's such a good play. Yeah, it's, it's so a great play. sad. It's so sad. So I'm afraid that there's no real hope for anyone there. Just layered in symbolism. Mm. Yeah. It's cool. Just the essays you can write on that play are delicious. Imagine the conversations in the room when you're doing the show. Like, Yeah. Oh, it would just be. And the stories that get shared. I fucking, I want to do this play. Mm. Uh, can, I be, can I be Mitch? You can be Mitch. I want to be Blanche. I want to be Paperboy. Could I be a Stanley, do you reckon? I don't know if I could be. You could be a Stanley and you could surprise everyone. Have you done yeah. Have you like anything very angry before? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I feel, like, I feel like you could definitely be a Stanley. 
And I think it would be exciting because people would be surprised and they feel safe around you. Yeah, they do the old... That's, uh, you get a comedian now because, you know, you get a comedian to do dramatic roles, boom. But people don't know that I did a lot of dramatic roles. People don't know. Perth as a theatre boy. Yeah, a lot of us are just failed actors who moved yeah. into comedy so that we could skip the queue <laughs> exactly. and get cast on TV shows. Why don't you expect that to be true? You're, it's normal. You have no interest in I, making people laugh. I have no interest. I, I started stepping into comedy when I got, I just got told so many times by like auditions that I've got a weird, I'm not, I've got a weird little body. <laughs> No, I'm, so, I'm so sorry. Uh, could you do it again, like, but know, this time without your weird little body? You got a weird little body. Your physicality is not what we're looking for. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not a hunk, Dave. That's why. But as a character actor, you don't need to be. No, I had the same. I had exactly the same journey. In, in high school, my drama teacher told me that I wasn't pretty enough and that I was going to be a character actor. And I was like, that sounds more fun, anyway. Yeah, characters I, are so much fun. Yeah. John C. Riley, man. Yeah. We both look like John C. Riley. <laughs> Philip Seymour Hoffman, rest in peace. That's rest right. in peace. All the ones worth we... mentioning, right? Yeah. Maya Rudolph, rest yeah. in peace. Rest in peace. I don't know She's when people there. are listening to this. I don't know. <laughs> That's true. You've got to future-proof this. I appreciate that. Thank you. I kind of refuse Wig. to believe that Maya Rudolph... I refuse to believe that Maya Rudolph won't live forever. No, she'll live forever. Surely. Someone, something good's got to happen. I, don't, I can't imagine. I can't imagine a world without Maya Rudolph. She's very good. She's very good. So what? What do you That's think? That's a great play. What do you? Th- yeah. What do? You, what do you think of that? O- overall, I will in a second give you ask you to give it a score out of five, which is something that I do at the end of uh, every episode. Mm-hmm. But would, would you say it deserves its uh, classification as one of the great plays of the twentieth century? Absolutely. Yeah. It's ahead of its time. It's. It was. Yeah. It was a fucking pioneer. It was. Yeah. It's gorgeous and i want to do it and if you're a director actually i'm going to call declan green and make him put it on and then we'll be in it okay cool yeah it is an amazing because it's it's just fiercely critical yeah of every every part of society in that time it's really nice it's really just saying how fucked everything is like can you imagine just going in there for the first time and not really seeing anything like that before that's that style that is that sort of real but also beautiful and poetic but using very basic language that people would use yeah it's surprising they don't really tackle racism in this play Mm. but i suppose it's very early it is a focused piece i would say yeah it's about it's about men and women and and class and the difference between who we are and who we want to be and how yeah, that creates chaos. Then again, I don't know. Is that Tennessee... What's Tennessee Williams' sort of views on race? Uh, I'm uh, sure there's other other plays that he's done. I'm not familiar with them, but, you know. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure. Hopefully That's he's... something for people that are smarter than us to write to you, David, and say, these people, they need to read this play or that I play think there's going to be a lot of people who listen to what we're saying and say we're wrong. <laughs> And that's fine. <laughs> oh, that's we'll fine. probably are. I'm happy to be wrong. Even when you're right, Been you out get of the game saying you're wrong. So don't worry about it. Don't worry about that. I, it's more, I'm just trying to get answers. I'm not saying that this is, this is the way things are. It makes you think. And I think that's what I love about it. It makes me want to read more Tennessee Williams. And it makes me want to read more into that sort of style of 
theatre again and writing. Me too. Oh, well, there you go. Some good has come from the pod then. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, one thing that you can definitely give me is a, a score out of five. What do you, what do you think? Hmm. I reckon I'm going to give it a five. Full, full marks. Love that. Love it. Yeah, not to be a copycat, but I'm going to give it five as well. I loved you retelling it. I loved remembering parts about it. I loved then thinking about the different, like, the similarities and differences in Blue Jasmine. I've got to go enjoy that now. Yeah, it's interesting. And Kate Blanchett is just, I think it's probably her best performance. Oh, wow. It's beautiful. It's not a retell. It's not the same story, but it's like a today's, you know. Yeah, Mm. I would say it's a modern retelling by a man that should be dead. By a man that, yeah, definitely should be. <laughs> he should be dead. Rest in peace. He should. Yeah. <laughs> fuck so, that guy. Rest in peace. Yeah, fuck him. But holy shit, is that a good film? And that's what's Beautiful. so frustrating about it all. It is. So you're like, fuck you. <laughs> fuck you. All right, well, I'll enjoy it with a bit of guilt okay, then. Okay, shit. Yeah, enjoy it. Download it illegally. Oh, fuck, yeah, there you None. go. Exactly. Yeah, that's, that's the be- that's yeah, actually get that's it. the way to do it. Fight the power. Yeah. Go to Put Locker. You know, find a put like a mirror site and um, type in Blue Jasmine and, and stream that illegally. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for joining me. I am uh, wary of keeping you guys too long. So I do appreciate you coming on, talking a bit of theatre with me. Really do appreciate your insight this week. It was um, fun. Ben, we can check you out uh, on your own pod, The Grub, which is a lot of fun. Yes, that's yeah, The, the Grub. Sketch oh, comedy. Sketch podcast. If you are tired of... Talking about books and all this smart stuff with this smart guy. Come over to my podcast. It's the stupidest, most basic shit. But it's funny to get to, we get to hear form. you doing lots and lots of different accents on there. Th- that's true. Yeah, yeah, there is a lot. I also Twitch. I also Twitch. Oh, on, yeah. I do the streams. You've been on it. Yeah, so you, rang, you, you rang Michelle and I a couple of weeks mm-hmm. ago. Yeah. That was fun. Yeah, so I do a bunch of different things. I edit videos and put them up So. I do all sorts of funny things, I guess. They're very funny. I guess boy. they're things. I guess they're <laughs> stuff. Like you, it's stuff that you can at least put on and choose to ignore if you want to. <laughs> put me on, ignore it, or tune in. It's up to you. Up to you. So I'll, I'll link no to I'll link to both those things. I'll link to the grub <laughs> and uh, and your your Twitch again. Now, how about you, Michelle? Anything you'd like us to check out? Uh, you can follow me on Instagram and I'll just be screaming about anything that I'm doing. There's something really cool that Ben and I did recently that I'll be screaming about soonish. And soonish, so won't it? Follow us both so that we can start screaming about it and then you, we can direct you to it. But also I've got a Patreon if you want to give oh, me money nice for one. sort of no reason. I do funny, uh, I do some like mashup songs and stuff and yeah, it's kind of cute. Also, I'll link to that as well as well as your Instagram if people want to check that out. Thanks. I've also started tweeting. If you want to be on Twitter, I don't know. Have you guys heard about it? You've, I've seen a couple of your tweets do very well lately. Yeah, well, that's why I've started tweeting. Yeah, um, you're it, like, it did really well, and I was like, yeah, well, I'm hooked. You're addicted now. Daddy, I'm in. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> Welcome to hell. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry about that. Sorry. It's all right. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much for joining me. And uh, at the end of every episode, I always say this with a little bit of embarrassment, but I'll say it anyway, and that is... Books forever! <laughs> that is embarrassing. You, you should have done yeah. that when we were gone. Oh. You definitely made the right choice to feel embarrassed by that. <laughs> yeah. I think that was okay. the right. Trust your instincts with that one. I will. Mm. Some people cry after they finish. 
Yeah. Oh, I do. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>
Irish detective. And then <laughs> Magic and Monsters, Teenage Protégé. All right. Oh, and did I mention he's a skeleton? Okay, I should have read ahead. Uh, he's a skeleton. It's hilarious, imaginatively creepy, heartbreaking at times, and just all in all, an excellent series. Highly recommended. Love the do-go-on-iverse. Hope you're all happy and safe. You're my comfort podcasters. Thanks, Campbell J. Much appreciated. That sounds really, really cool. Next up, I'd like to thank Sierra Laird. Hi, Sierra, who writes, Hi there, Dave. Just wanted to drop a line as I appreciate the pod so much. Thanks. My favorite book is Into the Wild by John Krakauer, an amazing biography of wild heart Chris McCandles, also known by his pen name in his diaries as Alexander Supertramp, whom was in search for the dream of living in the land of wilderness in Alaska, yet meets a horrible fate. This will forever be my favorite book, and the book I recommend to anyone who I have literature discussions with. Love the podcast. Thanks, Sierra. I haven't read the book or actually seen the movie, admittedly, the adaptation of that, but... Many a time people have suggested we look into it for a do-go-on report. So maybe that will get me over the edge. So thank you, Sierra. Next up, Elijah O'Sullivan Marina. Love that name. Hi there, Dave. Finally joined the Patreon after three years. Now that I can give back a little bit. Thanks, Elijah. Very nice. Obviously no pressure out there if if you are unable to, but always appreciate it if you can. All right, back to the words. Anyway, thought I'd let you know my favorite book. It's a mouthful. It's Aristotle and Dante Discover the Secrets of the Universe. Hmm, nice one. By Benjamin Alire Sainz. Probably the most life-changing read for me follows that two teenage boys coming of age in a Latin immigrant household who befriend each other and come to terms with their sexualities and the difficulty of emotions as a male, especially when you're young. Personally, it was so valuable to finally see myself represented overall. It truly touches so elegantly on important themes while having incredibly beautiful prose that is meaningful without being difficult to understand. I definitely recommend it, especially as the author has just finished writing the sequel. Apologies for the length of this. Love the show. Books forever. Thanks, Elijah. I love that. Really glad you discovered that book. And thank you for your support. Mel Cleary. Hi, Mel. Mel writes, hello, bookchooks. My favorite book is currently Jane Eyre because you fall in love with her even though, or perhaps because, she's a plain Jane and goes through so much and works so hard but gets her happy ending. There you go. In close second is uh, Early Riser by Jasper Ford. It's mystery, conspiracy, and apocalyptic all in one, and the characters are great. Thanks, each for the podcast. You've made me want to read so many books I wouldn't have thought of otherwise. I've just started to read To Kill a Mockingbird. Awesome. Thanks, Mel. Jane Eyre's also one of those classics, you know, on the list. Literally, you Google classic books. It's one of those ones that comes up. So I've got to get to it one day. Uh, So thank you so much for that. Sadie Fisher says, Hey, Dave, I probably have 20 favorite books. I know it's cheating to tell you all of them, even though I really want to. But since I have to pick just one, I will say White Teeth by Zadie Smith. She's an amazing writer, and I had the chance to meet her after a reading in 2003. Awesome. I still have a frame photo of when we met that I keep on my desk at work. I gushed like a schoolgirl, and it was kind of embarrassing. But when she was about to sign my book and said my name was Sadie, she told me that that was her birth name too, and that she changed the S to a Z when she was a girl because it was more unique. Then she signed my book, Sadie Smith, with an S. It was one of the best days of my nerdy life. Oh, Sadie, that's so cool. Uh, Zadie Smith wrote the uh, introduction to last week's book, Their Eyes Were Watching God. And uh, yeah, it was interesting to read what the book meant to her. And now I hear that story. It makes me really, really like it. That's really, really cool. 
Thanks, Sadie, with an S. And finally, I would like to thank Julian Barnes. Hiya, Julian. I'm a new book cheat who has burned through your entire catalogue during lockdown. I found book cheat before Do Go On. Oh, there you go. It is often the other way around, but some people have done the other way, so that's cool, which I'm now equally addicted to. My favourite book is Mort by Terry Pratchett, who I'm sure is very popular here. I reckon it's Terry Pratchett and Harry Potter are the two most shouted out books at the end of this section of the show. Julian continues, Mort is one of his earliest and funniest books, and I love works that take a humorous and upbeat view about death, which is usually a grim topic. Hopefully by the time this shout-out happens, we'll be close to free of lockdown. If not, then, oh well, books forever! Well, Julian, I don't have the means in front of me to look up where in the world you are. I'm recording this a couple of days before it came out. We've had a slight reprieve on the lockdown here in Melbourne, but it's uh, probably not as much as some of us would have hoped. There's still uh, limits on how far you can travel from your home and things like that. Really hanging out to visit my parents. Hopefully by Christmas. Man, that would be a sweet reunion. But wherever you are in the world right now, I really hope that, uh, yeah, you are safe. And one day we will look back on this. And hopefully you're listening to this in a couple of years and you're like, we got through it. I hope so, man. I really hope so. I really hope so. I really do. But that does bring us to the end of the episode. Like I say, suggest a book at any time uh, by clicking the link in the description of this episode. Or, uh, yeah, support us at patreon.com slash pod. But that is it for another week of Book Cheat. And until next time, I'll say, honestly, thank you for listening. And until next time, books forever! Bye, everyone. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's up to you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.